your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Now 17 on the shot clock remaining. They're running some stuff. The kick out and the jump shot. Lakes got it. Holy cow. Trevor Lakes with four threes on four attempts. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Oh yeah, the band is back together for a new year of 2021. Hope you had a good New Year celebration, everyone. Kind of uneventful in the Sharp household. Probably that way a lot of places in the era of COVID. But here we are, back for a new year of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. So delighted that you chose to spend a little bit of your Monday night with us here tonight. How was New Year's with Kennedy? Did Kennedy make it to midnight? She she didn't make it. She did not make nope. it. Um, no, no surprise. Um uh, she, she, you know, between eight, Did mom and dad, usually between seven forty-five and eight, it's it's go time. It's kind of like clockwork. It's funny you say that because, <laughs> like, until this year, I have always laughed at those people that didn't make it to New. I'm like, how? Because I'm a night owl, you know that. I'm like, how? How do people just not make it to twelve o'clock? Like, I I don't understand how that happens. <laughs> My wife and I messed around on the pool table for a while, and we're like, oh, let's go pop on a movie. I passed out within the first like hour of the movie. My wife wakes up. She fell asleep too. She's like, "Well, did we miss the New Year?" She pulled up her clock. It was eleven fifty-eight. <laughs> so we're like, "Oh, sweet!" So we stay stayed up for the two or three minutes, watched the clock t- click twelve, and then then shut her down. So yeah, uneventful <laughs> is the is the perfect word. <laughs> yeah, that's you, you. It won't be your last one like that either. I mean, you're right. You just kind of get to the. You, you have kids in the house, it changes your whole routine, and when you can get sleep, you get it, you take it, you go with it. So, But we're glad everybody's with us here uh, as we get a launch and then a year of Husker sports coverage here on Sports Alley. As Tim told you, we thought we'd have some Husker basketball tomorrow night, but but that's not the case as the release came out about 45 minutes ago. That due to an abundance of caution, the game has been Postponed to a later date, they'll work out a date. They've, they've built into the conference schedule some five, six-day pads, some windows, where they be, they'll be able to make this up, and they will. They'll be able to make this up. But you couldn't tell from the release, Ben, whether it's a Nebraska issue or a Purdue issue. I'm going to speculate here, and let's have some fun doing that. Nebraska had a press conference earlier today with the, with the head coach and Derek Walker, who was to make his debut tomorrow night. I don't know that that would have happened if Nebraska felt like they were in jeopardy of not being able to play the game. So I may be totally off base here, but I kind of feel like Nebraska is probably okay. Yeah, and considering when the the release happened, I mean, I've been on those trips. A lot of times the the team practices, they they grab a little bite to eat, and and then they roll out. So that tells me that maybe after the press conference they were told, hey – don't don't leave yet. Let's kind of put things on hold. We're waiting for some tests, and then um, you know, eventually the announcement came. Because by the time the announcement came, I would have expected them to be in West Lafayette yeah. already. So mm-hmm. I, I that that tells me that they were waiting on results, and um, you know, they were told earlier in the day that it was a possibility, and, and sure enough, that the game was postponed. Um, so that that uh, you know, that's it is what it is at that point. Since we last talked, which was last Tuesday night, it was our last show of the year, there have been two basketball games. 
won a very forgettable game at Columbus against Ohio State, and then a much better effort uh, Saturday night against Michigan State at PBA where you saw terrific efforts from McGowan's and Allen. So, Ben, I, I was I was pleased to see the better effort. It didn't result in a win. Michigan State's a better team than Nebraska. I'm not, not breaking any news with that report right there, but I thought the effort was much better, and I thought the fight was much better Saturday night than it was earlier in the week in Columbus. Yeah, it was. And and look, the 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 thing that continues to just kill this team, and it's not the same. It's not the same thing every time, but it's the it's the the scoring runs that the other teams have gone on. I I mean, I haven't gone out and 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 dug out the numbers, but. If you were to look at the losses against Georgia Tech, um, and I want to say, you know, between the seven and a half minute mark and maybe the three and a half minute mark of that game, uh, the start of the second half with Creighton, and then you just kind of go down the line. The, the was there was a game, you know, the, the run with Wisconsin. Um, really, all of the um, conference games, there's that run of fifteen nothing, sixteen two, eighteen four. You know, twenty-one to one that, that that you just can't you just can't have happen, and and Michigan State did go on a couple of those mini run. runs are going to happen in hoops. You know, seven mm-hmm. nothing runs that they happen, but when you start getting into double digits and when you start going six and a half minutes, seven and a half minutes, um, the final ten ten without a bucket, you cannot win games doing that. Um, and so we've seen this team play really well in spurts against Michigan State. You saw the team play play good offense in spurts. Teddy Allen making some making some good shots. Coach Hoiberg calling a timeout when Nebraska really needed a bucket. Draw a nice little play for an easy layup. That we we've seen them play good offense at times, but the shooting has been inconsistent. The finishing around the rim hasn't really improved, and the free throw shooting is just putrid. And so those easy ways to score, right? Open looks inside at the free throw line those are the three easiest ways to score a basketball have been really inconsistent for nebraska you're gonna have a hard time winning games but i like that the team fought back they were down big they never really let michigan state extend the game to a point to where you felt like it was out of reach and they played hard and, and hopefully that this you know that last game with, with sparty who i don't know if it who if they're as good as as we've seen michigan state teams in the past i I don't know that it was all that surprising that they were 0-3 in the league watching how they played uh, in Lincoln. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. And at this point, this team just has to find a way to, to play more consistently for longer stretches. I don't even want to say for all 40 minutes. Let's start with like 35 and go from there. Yeah, and it did finish a streak of four straight games against ranked teams. That was to have ended tomorrow night with Purdue. It will now end against Indiana on Sunday. They're not ranked, and that game now has been set for a 5 o'clock tip time now that they've got the NFL playoffs set. They can set the start time for that. So for Nebraska, next up will be the Hoosiers at home on Sunday. And that's a game Nebraska can win. That's a team Nebraska can beat. And so now, you know, a couple of extra days off. It was a pretty quick turnaround from Saturday night at home with Michigan State to traveling today to play Purdue tomorrow. But now they'll have ample time to get ready for the Hoosiers coming up on uh, on Sunday at Pinnacle Bank Arena. We're going to hear from Derek Walker, who was to make his debut tomorrow night. The Tennessee transfer uh, has now served his NCAA-imposed suspension. Uh, but they'll now have to wait until the Indiana game coming up on Sunday. But we'll hear from Derek coming up in hour number two of the program. 
Uh, Husker football news. There's been quite a bit that has dropped since we talked last Tuesday as well. Uh, let me kind of go back in reverse order with the news, and Tim had it in the ticker bed a few minutes ago, and it's big. And it's Cam Tater Britt announcing that he is going to come back for his fourth season of football in Nebraska. He played tremendous football for the Big Red this fall. I think he was catching the eyes of a lot of scouts. He was gaining momentum for an NFL career. I don't know that it was enough to make him a draftable player in the April draft this year, but he was certainly getting on radars with the way he played for the Big Red, and he's a bit of a heartbeat of that defense a little bit. He's a leader on this team. Uh, he's a guy that I think everybody looks to to make plays, to kind of set the course for this defense. I think this is giant news that Nebraska got this afternoon with Cam Tater-Brett saying, I'm back for next fall. Yeah, I think that maybe the two biggest pieces, Greg, that, that Nebraska needed to recruit to, the, the two best recruiting wins happened. And I know we'll get to another one here in a little bit. But, um, you know, in terms of importance, you start taking, you know, some, some parts away to that defense, specifically corner, and you're awfully thin at that spot. You know, if, if because of Braxton Clark's injury, obviously we hope he's back. Um, we had a couple of guy, a couple of guys leave with transfers, uh, and the injury bug just started snapping away at Nebraska's secondary. You know, at, at the end of the year, um, so getting Cam Taylor Britt is huge for a lot of reasons. Number one, he's a great character in the locker room. There's been a lot of talk the last few weeks of of the culture around the program right now. And a lot of the transfers and, you know, something must be wrong. Something must be going on. Um, players leaving, unhappy, all that. I don't know that there's a better glue guy in your locker room than Cam Taylor Britt. So th that's not even talking about him on the field. And then you see the improvement that he made, Greg. I, I'll never forget breaking down his film on the signing day special that we did with that first class. And, this was a this was a late intrigue with the staff because it was kind of throwing that class together. But he was never the most highly ranked kid in that class. But we talked to the coaches immediately after that show was over, and the guy they kept talking about was Cam Taylor. And that we're like, who who is this guy? You know, there was there was Cam Jones, the the safety from Texas, that was the high four star that everyone was excited about. But this is this is the kid that they kept talking about. He was a quarterback in high school. They had to teach him how to play corner. And I think that's the thing that's most impressive. We talk all the time about development. If you can have six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eventually 11 guys playing on one side of the ball that have developed as much as a guy like Cam Taylor Britt, you're going to be a really good football team. That You think about where he was, where he started, to where he is right now. I don't, I don't feel like it's a stretch to say that he's one of the best corners in the entire league entering next season. I don't know that mm -hmm. it's a stretch to say that. And so, therefore, that might be the, the, the first or second, depending on you, how, how you power rank them, biggest get for Nebraska this year. We all know there is a ton that this team needs to improve on before next season. The, the Cam Taylor Britt and the other good news that happened the last couple of weeks isn't going to turn Nebraska into a 9 or 10 win team on its own. There's a lot that needs to improve on, a lot that needs to get better pretty much in every single area and every single aspect, but this helps, and that's a start. He was a second-team all-conference pick, so you're right. He's absolutely going to be one of the top returning guys in the secondary, and with DiCaprio Boodle, 
announcing that he was foregoing the extra year that the NCAA was allowing him, and that was not a surprise. At least you have one returning starter. You have Quentin Newsom who gained some experience this year. You hope Braxton Clark gets off that injury and is healed up and is back. And then all of a sudden you feel pretty good about your, your corner position. If you have those three names, you, you can live with that, and you hope to add some more parts to that as you move along. The other part of it happened over the weekend, and that was JoJo Doman. And this one surprised me. I was not surprised by Cam. I was surprised that JoJo Doman is going to come back and get a sixth year at Nebraska. This is a guy that you talk about improvement. My goodness, did this guy make giant leaps in the 2020 football season for Nebraska. And coupled with the Cam Taterbred news today, it's got to make Eric Schnander pretty darn happy here tonight. Yeah, and that, this was the other guy that I was kind of foreshadowing. Greg, if you were to ask me the two biggest parts – or, or of the seniors or of the guys that, that, that are on your radar of leaving, those are probably my top two picks on the entire team, are Cam Taylor-Britt and JoJo Doman. I, I'm with you. I did not see JoJo coming back. I mean, with, with um, the way that he spoke at the end of last year, you know, with the, there was a shot of him on senior day, you know, standing out at, at the 50-yard line, which at, at the time I thought was saying goodbye to Memorial Stadium. Just just all of the injuries that he has been through, the redshirt year, the coaching changes, the position changes. The kid's been through so much in his career. It would have been easy for him to say, I had a hell of a year to finish. Um, you know, I, I, was, I was able to make it through a, a healthy season. This is it for me. But he's coming back. And I wonder where Nebraska's defense would have been this year without him. There were a lot of guys on Nebraska's defense that played good football this year. But in terms of value, I don't know that there was a more valuable part to Nebraska's defense than JoJo Doman. I mean, Greg, he was in coverage. He was covering tight ends. He was a run stuffer. He was a good blitzer. How many times this year was he lining up on the edge, running flat down the line of scrimmage, and tracked down a stretch run on the opposite side? I mean, so many times we saw him make plays at the line of scrimmage and his playmaking ability. If you're building a, a defense around Nebraska right now and you're starting, you're starting your own draft, those might be the top two picks are mm-hmm. Cam Taylor-Britt and JoJo Doman. So as great of a recruiting class as Nebraska had, I know that there's another signee that we're going to talk about. I think the two biggest gets are the ones that you got with Cam Taylor-Britt and with JoJo Doman, and you hope that these guys can start to be the foundation that turns this thing. Those are the big, powerful voices in the locker room. And, you know, they leave this place in a better spot than it is 365 days from now because I know Husker fans aren't going to take for granted the year that they're going to get with those guys uh, coming up in 2021. Uh, Like I said, there's a lot that this team needs to fix. This was not pretty football for a lot of the year. There wasn't a lot that went right. Um, A lot of self-inflicted wounds. There's going to be a lot of self-reflection happening uh, this offseason for Nebraska football with the you know sub 500 records but getting those two kids back is a big win and it's a start and now you hope the offseason momentum um, can kind of percolate into something you know, and manifest into something well starting here in spring practice still have two weeks left before the nfl deadline of the 18th of january so there's still news to be made still waiting on the two safeties dismuke deontay williams waiting on ben stilly's decision on the offense Diedrich Mills, that's a huge one. What's he going to do? Is he going to come back for one more? Is he off to try to make it in professional football? Matt Farniak has also not made a declaration, although I think 
most people would be shocked if he came back that he's going to go give it a try in the NFL. But there's, those names are still have not dropped yet, so we'll continue to follow that as we make our way through the month of January. And a big recruiting news as the All-American Bowl, which did not happen, but they did go ahead and have the kids make their announcements. Nebraska got a huge get. A young man from the state of Hawaii, Wyndon Ohuyuli, Ohuyuli, is an outside linebacker, four-star kid, Ben. Pretty impressive tape and certainly a spot. Nebraska needs more bodies. So Ohuyuli is now a Cornhusker, and that is a big addition to this class. Yeah, I think a couple things to hit on here. Number one, position of need. I mean, inside backer, you lose Colin Miller. You know, you, there's, a, there's a bunch of guys that have potential at that spot, but you, you start to add some depth in the middle, which is huge. The other thing, and, and I talked with Tony Tuioti about this very thing not that long ago, is that Polynesian pipeline. You know, it's, it's such a it, – there's a lot of really good football players of the Polynesian background that are looking for places to play. And, and if you can find guys that – are willing to be the first or the second ones um, and, and just kind of build a little culture within a culture, uh, a little community, and, and build that trust that, that is so big and that family atmosphere that is so big to the Polynesian community, you have access to a lot of really, really good football players. And so this was big, I think, for, for a number of reasons. And then you look at Ho'ohuli's tape, and he's 6'3", 220, great size, top 150 guy, um, I do, I do feel like this is a, a position that Nebraska can really benefit from. And, you know, coming, <laughs> coming in with great size and great offers, I, I, th- I think this, was, uh, this is a pretty, pretty important piece to what Nebraska is trying to add on. Then, then you throw in, Greg, the, the, the transfer from, from Northern Iowa, and you start to say, okay, well, we might be able to, to throw something together uh, with a mix of older and younger players. But Ho'ohuli, I think, is going to come in and uh, at least provide that that um, that new, that fresh, that size, and, and everything, the kind of that new wave that you're always looking for when you lose a guy like, like Colin Miller, who's been around for a long time. We're back on a Monday night edition of Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. Again, hope you had a great holiday weekend as we launch into 2021. Got to be better than 2020, right? One guy that's always good joins us now, Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com. I'm sure you were ringing in the new year. Were you one of the guys shooting off fireworks the other night around town? <laughs> no, I was not taking part of, uh, no? of those types of festivities. But I did hear there were several around my neighborhood that were that were doing it, too. And at first I was kind of confused uh, <laughs> because with uh, two kids under six, or six or under, I should say, um, I, you know, New Year's Eve is not what it used to be. So, <laughs> so when I heard the fireworks, I was getting a little confused. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, hey, I, that's all right. If people celebrate in different ways. I kind of enjoyed hearing some of those things pop around my neighborhood, but I, it didn't go too late into the night, and that was, that was a good thing. Maybe they were celebrating the news of Husker football from the day, Nate, with the uh, addition of another member to the recruiting class as Nebraska goes to Hawaii to grab a linebacker. What can you tell us about the latest addition to this class? Yeah, I mean, really big addition to this recruiting class. Um, Nebraska goes to Hawaii, gets the number one ranked player out of the state in outside linebacker, Wyndon Hohu Yuli. Um, now, you're going to have fun saying that name, uh, yep. <laughs> Greg. So, yep. uh, but, but I tell you what, I mean, the Huskers had a huge hole at that outside linebacker position in this recruiting class. And 
Um, you know, Winden is a 6'3", 220 pounds, uh, and a really versatile player. He, and he could play outside or inside for Nebraska. Uh, but he's a he's got some natural natural pass rushing ability. Uh, he's got a tremendous frame to to continue to to grow into. Um, and he's very physical and uh, overall just a, a tremendous football player. I think you, when you watch a film, you see somebody who's all over the foot, all over the field, uh, sideline to sideline, making plays in the backfield. Um, tremendous blitzer uh, can cover running backs or tight ends down the field. I mean, uh, it was easy to see why Nebraska liked him, and you have to give an awful lot of credit to Tony Tuioti for recruiting Winden um, and getting him to, to commit and, and sign without, uh, without ever having visited Nebraska. I mean, uh, to, that's a tall task. Nebraska has been in on some Hawaiian players over the years, uh, but they've come up short several times. And uh, it's been a long time since, uh, since they've been able to, to finally close and sign one. And Nebraska had success a couple of decades ago with getting guys from uh, from the islands or, or, or a Polynesian descent. Um, getting the first one to re get the thing going could be huge, right? And do you think this is the first of several for Nebraska in the coming classes? How do you view that? Yeah, I mean, it very well could be. Um, you're right. I mean, <clears throat> they they did have a, a little run there uh, when you when you talk about right the Riolas and. And, uh, you know, the phone you, uh, Tenoti, uh, Tenoti, I should say, um, you know, Junior Tango, I, Tony Tata, I mean, that whole group, they, I mean, they were, they were on a little bit of a, a roll and had, had somewhat of a pipeline coming in, uh, for a while. And, and then that kind of went dormant. And, uh, you know, when you get a player like Winden, um, who's, you know, the top ranked kid, uh, in, on the island. Uh, who everyone knows about and, you know, who has played at a high level, you know, when someone like that kind of makes the jump, somewhat of a leap of faith here uh, to, to go and, and, and kind of make his own path at a place like Nebraska, it's going to grab a lot of players' attention. And, and um, you know, Coach Tuioti is in on a lot of other kids from the islands, even in this year's class. There's a, there's a defensive lineman, Zen Sotelo, uh, who is – taking a look at Nebraska and had, you know, kind of delayed his announcement and delayed it signing early uh, to kind of continue to, to go through the process. So, you know, there's a possibility they add one more this year, but certainly down the road, I, I think that that could very well kind of turn into, uh, you know, a very good thing for Nebraska in terms of their ability to continue to, to get players from Hawaii. Buckle up and put the phone down. That's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office as we visit tonight with Nate Klaus of HuskerOnline.com as Nebraska gets their 20th commitment, and he will sign in February with Nebraska to the 2021 class. Scott Frost cautioned us, Nate, back in December. He says, we're not done. Are they done now for this class, or do you think do you see them adding some more names before February? Yeah, you know, like I said, I, I think that there there are still a few names out there, um, and, and the most prominent of which is Avante Dickerson, just down the road in Omaha. Uh, you know, the standout uh, cornerback and really all around football player at Omaha Westside. Uh, you know, helped helped the Warriors to a, a Class A state championship this year. Uh, had been committed to Minnesota. You know going all the way back to, I think, last March or April is when he made that decision. And, 
you know, just a few days before the early signing day, he decided to, that he was not going to sign and, and decided he was going to push it back to February. And, um, you know, a lot of times when that happens, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, because there's some uncertainty uh, in his decision. He wants to make sure he's making the right choice. And, um, and I, I know that Nebraska is one of those schools that is, is um, you know, still under consideration for him. And, and I think that, you know, if they're able to, to add or kind of close the class out with, with Vontae Dickerson, uh, anything else that they could add uh, beyond that would just kind of be a cherry on top. I, I think that, um, you know, certainly they'd like to, to add a player of his caliber in the class and, and more, most importantly, keep a, a player of that caliber in state and away from another, um, you know, conference and division foe. Nate, with the addition of Hohu Yuli, is where do you guys have Nebraska's class at right now? Right now, they're sitting at number 18 in the nation. And, and really, this commitment, the latest commitment, um, you know, he's a Rivals 250 player. He's, he's a he's a, four, a high four-star ranked kid. And uh, that pretty much, uh, barring anything crazy, has pretty much solidified Nebraska in the top 20 yet again. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a fairly significant deal. You have to go all the way back. Um, to the the early mid 2000s, you know, the, uh, Bill Callahan went on a little bit of a run there with that 05 class that was fifth in the nation, and then um, you know the the that uh, 06 07 classes uh, were also top 20s, and um, that you know Scott Frost has now been able to to stack a couple top 20 classes, and you know, there's a lot of youth on this football team, uh, but I think. You know, here in the coming years, we're really going to see that recruiting effort kind of pay off. And, um, you know, you just got to keep them on campus. You got to develop them. But uh, I think, you know, it's a good thing to have a a class that's going to be in the top 20. And and that's kind of where we where we project them staying at in this year. All right. Very good. Well, we appreciate it, as always, Nate, for the inside on these guys. It's got to be a pretty happy time around that football office, particularly on the defensive side with the news of Dolman. And then today with Cam Tater Britt, and then getting Winden to commit to them over the weekend. It's got to be a little bit of a. There's, there's some good momentum, I would think, buzzing over there in North Stadium right now. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the, the Eric Chenander and his crew of coaches have to be on, on cloud nine right now, keeping keeping a couple guys like uh, like JoJo and. and and Cam Taylor Britt and adding Winden and um, you know I, and I think that you know that's something that, that they could kind of point towards and and maybe you know tell Avante Dickerson you know kind of help him in their efforts to, to add him to the mix too. Very good, Nate. We appreciate. It. Thank you so much. Happy New Year. Yep. Happy New Year. Yep. We were lucky enough to chat with him earlier today before we, the, the game was postponed and talking a lot about uh, the matchup with Purdue. Um, but, you know, Derek was nice enough to give us a few minutes and just started out by asking him what it must feel like to, to finally be able to turn loose and, and put on a jersey again and, and be, be eligible and, and ready to go with the Huskers and how much uh, relief and excitement he must feel to, to, to finally be turned turn ready to go. Um, I'm very eager. You know, it's been over a year, so... Anyone that loves the sport of basketball is always easier to get on the court. So, you know, I just can't wait. You know, time is ticking. I, I really just can't wait. Derek, it's it was it was hard watching you in Italy. You know, we're we're sitting there in those those hot gyms and uh, all these newcomers out there on the floor, and we we're just kind of 
waiting to see what the word would be for you. Unfortunately, you weren't able to play in those four games. But what was that mm -hmm. time like, uh, not just in Italy, but all of last year, just learning about your teammates and learning what Nebraska was all about and what kind of situation you were walking into? Um, I just – last year and a little bit of this year, you know, I just got to learn the system, learn our coaches in and out, learn how Hoiberg works and runs practice. Um, and – just do what I can to help out. You know, um, last year was a learning year for me, um, a get better year, as in just working out, working on my body, getting more physically in shape. Um, so, yeah, last year was just a year to just focus on me and get me prepared to to today. That being said, what, where have you seen yourself grow maybe the, the, the most as a player since you played last? And, and what are you most looking forward to to – to, to display during a game-like situation that you haven't had the ability to and like you said, over a year? Um, just just keeping it simple, you know, um, learning my game, learning also as well the offense of uh, Fred Hoiberg. But, you know, I got to just sit out, learn, watch the mistakes, the good and the bad, you know, so – it wasn't a waste of year. You know, I got to watch a lot of film, um, see what works best for me and what doesn't work for me and just improve my game. Derek, this is probably coming at a really good time with the team. I know last last game against Michigan State, team played a little bit better, but the team kind of looking for a spark right now and looking for, for something positive to happen. The news that you're, you're able to play now probably – provides a little bit of life into the locker room just what is the mood of the, of the team right now and, and what you can provide at least in terms at the very least an energy standpoint to these guys and maybe give them a little of a bit of a boost tomorrow night um the energy is high right now you know um everyone's decided that i'm back so for me i just gotta keep that energy going you know because i'm excited my team is, is excited for me so you know, we just want to step on the court and hopefully we can get a win tomorrow. Derek, one of the jobs that, that you have provided and provided quite well uh, hearing from the coaches the last year is, you know, you're always there for your, your teammates and your, and your coaches speak very highly of you in that regard. How does it feel to have that reciprocated by your teammates and, and to feel their excitement to have you a part of, of what you've been missing out the last year plus? It's always nice knowing your team has your back the way you have your teammates back. Um, you know, that the way they're excited for me and they're happy for me coming back, it just makes me want to go harder and want, makes me want to be there for them even more. Derek Walker, Husker Hoops player with us here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Derek, uh, I, I was told by our own Seamus McKnight that the last game you played with the Volunteers at Tennessee was against Purdue. Your first game back is against, was is against Purdue. Yeah. Full circle for for yeah. a full circle we've come, man. What, what what do you remember most about that game? That was a that was an electric game that you you played with uh, with your matchup with Tennessee with Purdue. Uh, they they hit a lot of shots. Um, you know, you can't go back in time, but there was a really, I won't say bad, but there was a really close call at the end of the game that cost us the game. But no, it was a great game, you know. Um, since we get, since I get to return with them as my first game back, I would love to beat them since <laughs> they, they, they got me the last time at Tennessee. So this is going to be exciting because 
I got a chip on my shoulder from two years ago. Derek, it's such it's so interesting the landscape of college basketball right now with how a lot of you guys have ended up here with Lano from Western Kentucky. Shamil has, has had a couple, couple of homes. Trey coming from Pitt. You coming from Tennessee. Lat from TCU. What, what's it been like just seeing all your guys' different backgrounds kind of come together at a place like Nebraska? Um, it's, it's honestly amazing, you know. Um, credit to our, our um, recruiter coach. He did a great job with this team, but, uh, you know, it's it's amazing how we all come from different backgrounds and different places and have different journeys, but it's the same journey for everyone, you know? So, so it's, 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 it's different, but you know, everyone's here for the same reason. Everyone's here for the love of basketball and we got to come together as one and, you know, play together. Derek, being on the sidelines, going through the film, going through the scout, going through everything that you've gone gone through this year to help the team prepare, where do you think that this team needs to improve to be more competitive down the stretch and maybe play with a little more confidence and eliminate those big scoring runs? Um, a team like us, we just we need to just be ourselves, play with pace, play a full game of forty, you know, um, and defend. You know that's that's the biggest thing. We're, we're we've been coming coming out slow in the second half, but hopefully we got some more fire to us the the rest of the season. You know, after coming out this Michigan State game and seeing that we can we can play with these teams and we're we're as good as these teams, and we believe that. So hopefully moving forward, we just have a little more more kick to us coming in and out of games. Derek, I was able to get a sneak peek at a, a lot of the newcomers last year on the on the Italy trip. I, like I said before, I wasn't, wasn't able to watch you play. Nobody really here in Nebraska has, has watched you play. Describe yourself as a player. What are we going to see on the floor tomorrow? Um, you know, it's my first game back, so I might be a little winded early on. But <laughs> no, I just plan to just rebound. You know, score when opportunity presents itself. Be smart and just keep it simple, you know, be there for my teammates, make the right read, make the right pass, and communicate on both ends of the court. Should be a good matchup with Purdue tomorrow. Derek, we'll let you go with this one, man. I know this has been a really challenging year for you personally uh, for a lot of reasons, but the team as well with with the COVID, with the, the protocols, with the testing, uh, going through all that with a bunch of guys that you know you're you're learning to play with. How, how close has that brought you guys off the floor with one another? Kind of experiencing all this together, being isolated from your families, and having to go through this grind of a season. Um, I mean, we've been here since June. You know, with COVID, it doesn't allow you to have a social life. So, so with COVID allowing us to not be out and be in front of lots of people. It allows us as a team to get closer because we see each other every day and we text every day. So, so we know that we we're not getting COVID and we're we're a small group of guys. So, like for us, it helped us a lot. You know, we got to spend more time in the gym. You know, everything we do is kind of together. So I feel like that helps us build build our team chemistry. You know, um, yeah, COVID's pretty hectic, and I feel like it it brings everyone together. You know, not just Nebraska, but just everyone because you can't go outside really yeah 
All right, Derek, uh, you, you're, I'm only imagining the emotion that you're going to feel stepping on the floor tomorrow at, at Mackey Arena. If you could send one in the seats in the fourth row or throw one down tomahawk style, what are you picking? you get, you, you got to choose one. What, what's, what, what's your preference? Um, those are two good options. Um, probably the tomahawk. <laughs> you know, everyone, everyone loves a nice dunk. <laughs> Well, hopefully you can uh, rattle the rim a little tomorrow against Purdue, and I, I'm so happy for you, and I know Husker fans are happy too that you can finally throw that jersey on and go represent yourself and your school like you've wanted to do since you uh, committed to play here. We're, we're all excited for you. Derek, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes. Best of luck tomorrow, man. Try not, try not to get too winded out there. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Derek Walker, Nebraska forward with us on Sports Nightly. Again, that was uh, recorded before the news that – the game has been postponed, so he will not be uh, dunking on any rims at Mackey Arena unless uh, he flies up there himself and breaks into the gym. How much do you think he's going to help? I think he'll help a lot. I think just the the timeliness of it is perfect. The team's down a little bit right now. They need a little mojo. They need kind of a little boost. And, and Derek's a very vocal guy, a very positive guy. And he, he has been positive on the bench, but once he's out there playing, I think he's going to have a bit of an impact and – you know, as Coach Hoiberg said today, just somebody that at the rim with, with some prowess that can dunk, that can finish uh, with some strength, I think, I think it will add a lot and hopefully create some space for some shooters as well. We're back, Sports Nightly on a Monday night. Next Monday will be the national championship game between Alabama and Ohio State. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com joins us on Mondays during the college football season. How surprised are you, Adam, that the Buckeyes, not that they won, but in the manner that they won the game over Clemson the other day? Yeah, you just don't see that happen very often, Greg, to Clemson. Obviously, it did in the championship game last year against LSU, but you know, that wasn't the Buckeyes team that we'd really seen uh, hardly at all this year, especially in, in such a complete performance from Justin Fields. And so, you know, I had heard from ACC coaches throughout the year that Clemson's defense was, was quite vulnerable, quite ordinary, at least according to their standards. But then they played so well against Notre Dame in the ACC championship, you thought they were turning a corner. Well, now you face an elite quarterback, you face an elite offense in Ohio State, and some of those same issues uh, you know, kind of surfaced again. But, yeah, it's always a surprise to see a team that you know, just has such a championship culture and championship coaching staff um, really get blown, blown out of the water there in the second half. Justin Fields really took a wallop at him. Is there any concern that he's not going to be ready to go in a week? I, I don't think so. I think that there's certainly concern about, well, what happens if he takes another hit or how, how uh, healthy will he be as far as, you know, percentage-wise. Probably not going to be 100%. But, you know, Ryan Day said today that, uh, you know, Justin was actually feeling better um, on, uh, on Saturday morning than he thought he would after taking that hit on Friday night and that, you know, practice is not changing. You know, they're, they're, they're going about things the way they normally would. And obviously quarterbacks don't take contact anyway. So you know, he's got a, a week to, to rest up. But, you know, I think the one thing that was unusual is that, you know, neither Ryan Day nor Justin Fields knew the diagnosis after the game. I asked Justin Fields directly, and he did not know. So they obviously know now. They're not saying what it is. But, um, you know, it, it's certainly something to monitor here going forward. Busy and give that at Rittenberg of ESPN.com. Covers college football for ESPN.com. What, what, what was your takeaway from the Bama win? I mean, I, I think it was kind of what we expected that to be. Uh, what did you take away from that game? 
Yeah, just again, that offense is, is, is unstoppable. I mean, nobody's really been able to slow it down. Notre Dame has a talented defense, and um, you know, still no answers for Devontae Smith or, or Mac Jones. I mean, Mac Jones has really been an unbelievable story, Greg. You know, a guy that, that, that nobody really thought much of when he came to Alabama. And a lot of people thought it was going to be Bryce Young, their freshman, succeeding to a tongue of Iloa, and Mac Jones made made that go away very quickly. So yeah, re- really good performance by the offense, and then the de- the defense essentially holding Notre Dame to seven points. I mean, they scored a late touchdown, but they never got anything going, and, and that's what's really encouraging for Alabama because their defense obviously struggled in the SEC title game. You know, they struggled against Ole Miss, and at times against some of the other opponents they faced. But um, they really did a nice job shutting down. You know, Notre Dame could never really get things going on the ground. You know, couldn't really attack down the field. But they obviously face a much bigger task this week or next week, I should say, with Ohio State's passing game. Where's that? Uh, is that Heisman Trophy probably coming off that Alabama team? But is it the wide receiver or is it Mac Jones? What do you think? Yeah, we'll, we'll find out. I can't reveal who I voted for, but you know, gosh, uh, Devontae Smith he's put together quite the argument. Um, yep. you know, certainly the obviously the performance against Ohio State was after the votes were in, but yeah, uh, sorry, against um, Notre Dame was after the votes yep. were in. But he has been just electric. And the fact that I just look at it this way: Alabama had the best wide receiver in the country. His name's Jalen Waddle. Then he gets hurt, and now they still have the best wide receiver in the country, <laughs> and his name's Devontae Smith. And it, it's just a remarkable season, both as a wide receiver and uh, as a punt returner. And so, you know, Mac Jones, great too. Trevor Lawrence, you know, you still could be the best player in college football. So there's some really good options there. But, uh, but wow, Devontae Smith has certainly been something special to watch. I think it would be a nice, nice change of pace for the Heisman to give it to somebody other than a quarterback. I, that's just my feeling. I think yeah. the game is played at such a high level. I understand that that's the most important position on the field, but I think it'd be nice to have a little diversity in there. Again, visiting with Adam Rittenberg. The other big breaking story from the weekend was what happened in Austin, Texas. How surprising was that, Adam, that Tom Herman was let go? Because he got a vote of confidence back in mid-December. Was that just for recruiting day? Well, what do you make of the situation in Austin? Yeah, I mean, again, I think I, I probably should have read into that vote of confidence as, as not being as strong as I thought it was. It just felt like, okay, Texas you know, made a run at Urban Meyer, didn't really get anywhere. They were going to go forward with Tom Herman for one more year in sort of a, a prove-it year in 2021. But I think what was really going on is once they went after Urban Meyer, it was pretty much over for Tom Herman. It was just a, a matter of who was going to be the, the replacement. And you know, they started looking into Steve Sarkeesian, obviously, maybe even as early as the SEC championship game, and then finalized this hire over the weekend. I, I'd heard last week, from sources that um, if Texas had lost its bowl game or hadn't played well, even in a win, that you know Steve Sarkeesian and actually Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly were were both options. Um, but uh, but after that, that that even after that dominant win over Colorado in the Alamo Bowl, um, Texas went forward and and obviously got this thing done very quickly after dismissing Tom Herman. What's been the early reaction from uh, from the from the Texas fans to Sarkeesian? Well, I, I think I think there's certainly excitement about what he's done in Alabama. I think there's a little bit of trepidation because he doesn't come in with an exceptional record as a head coach. He didn't really wow anyone at Washington or USC. Obviously, things ended poorly at USC for him personally, but he does seem like he's turned things around personally, and obviously his play-calling prowess is, is unreal. I mean, he, he's done such a great job calling plays. Obviously, he has great players, but it's one thing to have great players and another thing to put them in the position to succeed on a regular basis, and he does that. 
And the other thing, too, with Texas is that it's very clear what Texas is missing. And to me, it's, it's having an elite, elite quarterback and an elite, elite offense. I mean, that's why they're not beating Oklahoma. That's why they're not in the playoff against teams like, um, like Ohio State and Alabama and Clemson. So Steve Sarkeesian at least gives you that chance. You know, the Tom Herman-Sam Ellinger partnership was, was relatively successful, but not at the elite level. And that's what Texas needs, in my view, you know, independent of all the politics and all the messiness that goes on there, they need a great quarterback and they need a great offense. And Steve Sarkeesian gives you a chance to do that. Now, whether he'll be successful or not, we'll find out. But I think he knows what it looks like to win with a, a player that the Texas needs at that position. Yeah. Hey, buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office visiting with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. You mentioned Texas's impressive bull win over Colorado. The Big 12 was impressive, period, right? I mean, they were really solid, didn't lose a bowl game after being disastrous a year ago. Do we read too much into how a conference performs in bowl games? And, and what did you make of the Big 12's performance? Well, obviously impressive, but, um, you know, they, they, they weren't in part of the playoff, and that's ultimately what, what's missing. You know, they don't have a win in, in the playoff um, so far, and I think they're the only league without a win uh, of yeah. uh, the Power Five. And so that, 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 that's what's escaping them so far. But um, I, I was impressed with, with uh, certainly Oklahoma's performance, even though it was a depleted Florida team. Uh, you look at uh, Texas played well, and B. And B John Robinson is, is a guy that I think is going to really flourish under new coach Steve Sarkeesian. O- Oklahoma State, you know, found a way to win that game after building the big lead and then letting it slip away. And so, you know, I think I think some some solid uh, you know uh, items here at the end of the year for the Big Twelve. But it ultimately gets back to: Are they going to have multiple playoff contenders? And then ultimately, are they going to really challenge for the national championship? That's what's missing. And they'll have, I think, a great opportunity. Iowa State didn't mention them. Great win in the Fiesta Bowl. And you look at the top quarterbacks in the country, Greg, that are returning. You could argue the two best are in the Big 12, or at least two of the the three or four best that we know about in Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma and Bryce Purdy at Iowa State. Brock Purdy, sorry. Um, And uh, I'm putting together an early Heisman list when the the award is announced tomorrow night. And, you know, I'm not going to reveal the whole thing, but I'll tell you those two guys are pretty high up on my list. Yeah, no doubt. Nebraska will play Oklahoma next next fall. Did I read that you've already made reservations to attend the Cyhawk game in September? That'd be a good one to be at, I would think. <laughs> I, I I hope so. I I'm just going to make all these reservations, Greg, and and just cross my <laughs> fingers and toes and hope that I can actually make some of these trips because uh, you you know how much I like to get on the road, and I think I've only I only went to one game in person this year. It was a good one, but uh, I would love to go to that uh, that game for sure. I was at the Cyhawk game a couple of years ago in Ames and was there for, for almost the entire day because of the lightning delays. But I think this will be an unbelievable uh, you know, opportunity, I think, in, in atmosphere because both teams you know, should be preseason top 15. Both are going to end the season uh, most likely in the top 15. Iowa State will end the season in the top 10. And so, um, you know, I, I think that, that really adds some juice to that, to that ball game. Hopefully not Campbell stays and, and you have the same two head coaches, but even if he leaves, Iowa State's got a really nice uh, roster coming back. Sure do. Um, we'll leave you with this. Did, did, did the Heisman's tomorrow night. Some of the other big awards are coming out later in the week. Next Monday night, Alabama, Ohio State. That's probably a dream for the people at the top of college football, isn't it? And, and that, and final question for you, is there much to the Urban Meyer to the NFL talk? What, do you, what are your sources telling you on Could Urban end up being on an NFL sideline? 
Well, yeah, to your first point, that's absolutely the matchup. I know the people at yeah. my company are very pleased. I mean, those are the two biggest draws in college football, let's face it. Um, but to your second point, there really is juice. Now, Urban ultimately Ooh. has to decide, does he want to come back or not? But I think if he does, you know, the Jags job is probably his. And, that, and that's a job that's very appealing because of the draft picks they have and the cap space and the fact that, you know, you might have some significant personnel control. So um, he's got to decide if he wants to do this. And if he does, um, I think that's the spot for him. I, I'd be surprised if he lands elsewhere. So it's something that will be interesting to monitor. You know, what, what I'm hearing from, from sources in the industry, Greg, is that there aren't that many great candidates at the NFL level, the coordinators and such. And that there's a lot of these teams that want culture. They want CEOs. They want people who have led programs. And I think that's why you're hearing Urban Meyer's name, Matt Campbell's name, Pat Fitzgerald's name, you know, other college coaches that have done it and had success at this level moving up, even if they don't have any NFL experience. Like Urban Meyer's never been in the NFL, but I think a lot of NFL teams would jump at the chance, maybe even Jim Harbaugh. They want that type of profile for their NFL teams because a lot of teams have tried these coordinators and it just hasn't worked out. Be interesting to follow. Adam, as always, we appreciate it. We'll get a preview next Monday with you from the, for the Alabama-Ohio State game. Does that sound all right? Absolutely. Sounds good, Greg. Have a great week. And we're back. Hour number three, Sports Island here on a Monday night. We'll be back with you tomorrow night. We weren't planning on that, but that Husker game, as Tim just told you, with Purdue postponed. They'll reschedule it later on. There's plenty of open dates between now and the end of the regular season. They'll be able to get that in. COVID issues. For which team, we know not. So now the next game for Nebraska will be Indiana at PBA Sunday at 5 o'clock. Indiana losing right now to Maryland. Callers and guests into our show. Dot us up on our Sports Nightly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family. Bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Let's get the hour underway with the Rewind. See the game last night? Which game? Any of them. Oh, there's a cat. A black cat is taking the field. A black cat is running from the 20 to the near side, the 10. From the 39 in Dallas, here's a short throw down the middle, caught by Ingram. Caught at the 35, went to the 30. Now the cat running the other way. And so is Ingram at the 30 to the 25, near the 24-yard line. They've stopped playing. The players with hands on hips are watching the cat run and zigzag all over the field. Now a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. Let's check out the highlights. Steven Jackson's David. Reggie Miller's looking good. He shoots a three, and it's good. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. It's the Weekend Rewind with Ben McLaughlin. Yeah, winding down, unfortunately, both college football and the NFL as the regular season has come to an end. We are on to wild card weekend in the National Football League, all the matchups set next week. So playoff football has arrived, and for college football, just one game left. How about that? And let's let's praise the NFL, Ben, because they have made it through the regular season. They got every game in, not on schedule. They got creative. They were flexible. Mm-hmm. They moved games to even a Wednesday to make sure they could get the schedules done. Kudos to the National Football League. They there was it. a period. There was a period of about three weeks where things got pretty sticky. They did, um, and there was really one case uh, of the Denver Broncos where they didn't have a quarterback. Where 
probably deserve to be postponed or canceled, yep. but the game was played. And But, again, that's an astronomically high percentage. They did it right with all the watches and the contact tracing and everything. So, yeah, I would agree. College football, we'll get we'll jump here into the, the, the rewind here in a second, but since we're on the topic, how, did, how, how will you remember this season? Did it, did it feel normal to you in college or no? No, it didn't. Just the, the herky-jerky, the cancellations, the way the Big Ten handled it was so messy. Playing games in front of empty stadiums, which I don't think that needed to be the case. Again, that's, to me, a negative for the Big Ten, the way they handle it. I'm not saying we should add 80,000 in there, but I think we could have safely had 20,000 people at Memorial Stadium to watch games. So I think I'm glad that they got in what they did. I think you're going to you're gonna crown a legitimate champion a week from tonight, but it certainly is going to be a year where we'll remember the rest of our lives. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the rewind, starting first with Husker Hoops men's and women's variety, starting first with the men. Talked about it a lot tonight. Michigan State beats Nebraska 84-77. Great game for Aaron Henry for Sparty, really taking control of that game. But, Greg, when you're walking out of the the arena, which nobody was, but flipping the TV after watching that, what, what are you left thinking with, with that performance from Nebraska on Saturday? Trey McGowan's needs to – kind of take over this team a little bit. I think he's laid back too much. I think he's the guy that can really elevate Nebraska's game. I think we saw that some Saturday night. Uh, but I, I was proud. I mean, they got they got their behind whipped at Columbus earlier in the week. They responded. They gave a, a solid effort against the Sparty team that's got a couple of really, really good players and obviously a Hall of Fame coach on their bench. Yeah, we'll hear from head coach Fred Hoiberg a little later on. So not so good news for the men. What about the women? A good game against Northwestern, winning at the buzzer. Could they follow it up against Rutgers? Johnson bounces deep left side. Garantes to tie the game. Misses the shot. Goes out of bounds. That's it. The Huskers win. The Huskers win. Nebraska knocks off Rutgers 53-50. The Huskers have won two in a row. And the Huskers have finished the homestand perfect 2-0. Huskers win it. They get 16 points from Sam Hybe on 6 of 14 shooting and a double-double from Izzy Bourne, 11 points and 12 rebounds. 5-3 and three, now, 3-2 three and two in the league. Good work, Good week for Amy Williams. Sure was a good week. Hybe's establishing herself as one of the better players in the league. I'm excited about Izzy Bourne taking a big step forward. You're seeing her become a legitimate four in this league, and her and Kate Kane are formidable down low. It's going to be a tough week this week. They go to Michigan, both Michigan schools, Thursday, Sunday. This will be a tough week, but to get those two under their belt, we're, we're huge. Absolutely. Good win for Nebraska women's basketball. All right, let's jump into college football. Technically a long weekend with the holiday of New Year's Day, so we'll recap the New Year's Day Bulls for you, starting first with the semifinal that we all expected to be a blowout number one Alabama number four Notre Dame and as expected Alabama took care of business here's the snap Buck looks throws and falls incomplete in the middle of the end zone and that is it and while their tradition and history are certainly the equivalent tonight not so much Bama defeats Notre Dame 31-14 to earn a trip to Miami and a chance to play for national championship number 18. 
I long for the day, Greg, where you sound like that after a conference championship win. Like, ho-hum, we did it again. Let's go compete for our 18th national championship. This game was closer than I think people expected. They, they did cover the spread, the Irish did, but a lot of ground and pound, a lot of wearing the clock down, try and take the ball away from Alabama, but there's just no stopping that that offense. You just can't do it. No, they're, they're really, really good. I, you know, I, and I got a lot of – I got into some real text battles on Friday with, with buddies and pals. One, I, I you know, I, I don't think Notre Dame needs to hang their head. I think Notre Dame was a legitimate team that should have been in the Final Four. They had a great win over Clemson earlier in the year. They have a legitimate football team. But they're no Alabama. And maybe Ohio State isn't either. I think there might be a gap at the top. But the Irish fought hard. Their defense is legit. That's a really good offensive line. There's a lot of parts of that team that's pretty good. But Bama's special. They got special kids all over the field when, when they're out there playing. Absolutely. Take care of business. 31-14. That one we expected a blowout. We did not expect a blowout in the Sugar Bowl. But Justin Fields gave us it. Pistol formation with Fields at quarterback. Sermon straight behind him at tailback. Center Josh Myers snaps the ball. Fields is going to pull the trigger. Sends airmail deep down the middle of the field for Williams. Got it. Touchdown, Jamison Williams down the middle of the field. Justin Fields with his sixth touchdown pass of the night. A 45-yard scoring strike that gives Ohio State six more points. Special, special athlete, special player. Ohio State blows out Clemson 49-28. Just imagine if Dabo Sweeney had to face a top-10 team, Greg. No kidding. I mean, what what would a top-10 team have done to his band of of misfits? But, uh, <laughs> hey, Buckeyes were loaded for bear. You could tell that game meant so much to them. They, they have thought about losing to Clemson from last year for 12 months. They brought it. And some odd way, Ben, they look like a fresher football team, and probably the lack of playing games helped them out a bit in that game, but the Buckeyes played great. Can't wait to watch the game next week. Expect a Bama win, but I think Ohio State will put up a fight. Poor little old Clemson. I'm just waiting for something yeah. good to happen to that school. They just can't ever catch a break. Never Poor does, Dabo Sweeney. SEC gets a big win as Georgia gets a walk-off field goal, a bomb, 24-21 absolute nightmare of a fourth quarter and final three minutes for Luke Fickle. Greg, I, I there's no doubt that he is still kicking himself for the way that he coached the last three to four minutes of that game. What are they doing throwing on third and like two with a minute 30, maybe a minute 30 and some change and the other team, Georgia in this case, out of timeout. Run the ball. If you don't get the first down, that's fine. You're going to give them about 30 seconds to come down the field. He did not handle the end of that game very well at all. Not only that, they were snapping the ball with over 10 seconds left on the play clock. Just a brutal finish for Cincinnati, who very easily could have had an undefeated season. But JT Daniels and George Pickens get down the field, and a bomb of a field goal for Georgia salvages what could have been a disastrous day for the SEC because for the second year in a row, Auburn loses to a Big Ten team. Northwestern just plows through the Auburn Tigers 35-19. 35-19. This was never a game, Greg. From the word go, Auburn was not in this football game. And, and you kind of thought that might happen with Malzahn getting fired a couple weeks ago. That's it's always really tough for a team to go compete when they don't have their head coach with them. The Cats are better than anybody around the country wants to give them credit for. So is the Big Ten. 
So is the Big Ten. The Big Ten is better than a lot of these national pundits want to say. Just because Michigan was way down, just because Penn State got off to a horrible start, doesn't mean the league was bad because the league wasn't. Northwestern was solid. Iowa was a solid football team. Indiana's a solid team. But uh, good for the Cats. They went down there and got them a nice bowl win. I think they've won four or five straight bowl games. Let me ask you this, though, Ben. Did the right four teams get in the playoff in your eyes? Yes. I don't know of a team that I would have put in ahead of I wouldn't have put Notre Oklahoma Dame. in there. And that's that was a pushback I was getting. Oklahoma should have been there. Why? Oklahoma didn't have a good regular season. No, they didn't. And I don't, I'm not putting A&M in there either because of Mm-mm. their soft schedule and what they did do against Alabama. I, I, I don't think they deserved another shot. Speaking of Texas A&M, they did get a nice win over North Carolina in the Bowl, 41-27. You mentioned the Big Ten is a good conference. Can we agree that the ACC – uh, just isn't oh. on par with any other conference in that Power Five outside of maybe the Pac-12, winless in bowl season. And they got two in the playoff. 0-6 oh, yeah. in bowl games. It's brutal. That's not good. Not yeah. good. A&M, good win for them, though. 41-27, they finished the that year. Was it game. was a good game. How about A&M? 24 of their 41 points scored in the fourth quarter. They end up winning Ooh. by 14. Mod Big fourth good. quarter. Yes, he is. Big court, fourth quarter, and the ground game for AM was something something fierce that night. How about the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl between Oregon and Iowa State? A lot of signs pointing to Oregon playing better, but Iowa State coming off a loss to Oklahoma. How would they respond in this one? Man down, and now Brock Purdy takes a knee, and the Cyclones are the champions of the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Their first ever New Year's Six Bowl victory, their fifth bowl victory all time. They dominate Oregon 34 to 17. Ducks could do nothing in the second half. All Brees Hall and the Cyclones, 34 carries, 136 yards, caps off a great season at tailback for Iowa State. Uh, I think there's a lot of envy in Lincoln right now going on of what's happened in Ames in Matt Campbell's fifth season at Iowa State. He's done a remarkable job, and he's done it by developing players. And we had a text question about that earlier in the show. That is a huge part of it. And I think that's a challenge for this staff in Lincoln right now is to get the development that you're seeing in places like Ames, Iowa with Matt Campbell. He's done a great job. One Big Ten team that I think we're all a little disappointed in happened in the Outback Bowl with Ole Miss and 11th-ranked Indiana. And the uh, Rebels had just one more answer than the Hoosiers. Fake on the handoff. Corral throws in the end zone, and it is caught. Touchdown! And that's going to be Drummond. Is it Drummond? Yes. Drummond in traffic. What a throw and catch there. A bullet. Cam Jones was covering. Had pretty good coverage, RC, but a nice grab, and the Rebels get six. Indiana goes down. Greg has a chance to take the lead, but they take a bad sack on second down. Can't convert the yardage on third and fourth down. They got 14 points in the fourth quarter, but just took way too long to get going against an absolutely atrocious Ole Miss defense. You, you know, it's, it's back-to-back years that Coach Allen has taken his team against an SEC team in a bowl game. They lost the Gator Bowl last year to Tennessee. The, the, they were up big. Not right. Yeah, they were up big in that game, too. Something's not quite connecting for them as they get ready for bowl games. That was a big missed opportunity, and that wasn't a killer Ole Miss team that beat them. No. So kind of a sour sour note for the Hoosiers to end what was a remarkable fall for them where they were just terrific week in and week out. Yeah, I think the Rebels were averaging 39 points allowed on defense entering that game. and The Hoosiers had six going into the fourth quarter, just not good enough. 
And we'll finish the Bulls out with a, another ACC loss as Kentucky beats NC State 23-21. On to Week 17 of the NFL. Boy, you could write a story about all the storylines yesterday. Bills and Dolphins, uh, this was a boat race. 28 second quarter points for the Bills. They lock in the two-seat 56-26 win over the Dolphins, who has their season crumble right before them. But thanks to the Laramie Tunsil trade, Greg, they're picking third. They finish 10-6 and six and get the third that? overall draft pick. How about that? <laughs> and you know and what? That who, that could be – just dream a little bit who that could be. Could be – I mean, they don't need a quarterback, right? They got that position taken care of. But there should be they'll, they'll get the best position. They'll get the best position player in the draft, whoever they yeah. want. Yeah. Because they're the quarterbacks likely going one two, depending on what the Jets want to do. So real head scratcher of a day if you're a Dolphins fan. Yep. Ravens win and you're in, and that's exactly what they did. They beat up the Bengals thirty eight to three. They did announce today that Zach Taylor will be back next year for Good. Cincinnati. They're excited about their nucleus in Cincinnati. Better year for Cincinnati. They're four eleven and one, but they lost a lot of close games and they lost their starting quarterback about halfway through the year. So hopefully things get better for Cincinnati. Steelers and Browns. Boy, this was an interesting game. Cleveland needs a win to get in. Could they do it? Signals, takes the snap, gives it, Chubb runs, dips his shoulders. He's to the 40, 35, he's to the 30, cut back 25, he's to the 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Nick Chubb, he's over 1,000, and the Browns lead 6 nothing. 47-yard touchdown run by the great Nick Chubb. Back come the Steelers in the second half, but the Browns would hold on and win it, Greg. 24-22, their first playoff win, or excuse me, playoff appearance since 2002. Crazy, but they're they're able able to get it done. That's almost two decades since they've been in the playoffs. And now they get to to play the Cedars again, right? Don't they match up with them again? Yes. They do. Oh, they geez. do. Oh. So fire that up. 24-22, good win for Cleveland. How about the uh, NFC North? This game, not a lot on the line. In fact, nothing on the line, but that didn't mean anything to the former Husker. Third down and goal. Cousins looks right, scans the field over the middle. He's got Abdullah for a touchdown. Yeah. Two touchdowns this season for Amir Abdullah, both of them coming against his old team. <laughs> Two touchdowns on the year. Good for him. Both against his former team in the Detroit Lions. Good for him. Minnesota wins 37-35. The Patriots finish a, a year in which they would not make the playoffs 28-14 over the 2-14 Jets. The Giants beat the Cowboys 23-19, knocks them out of playoff contention. More on the NFC East in a second. Tampa Bay wins over Atlanta 44-27. So Tampa Bay enters the playoffs with some momentum. The Packers beat up the Bears 35-16. Green Bay locks up the one seed for the Packers in the NFC. Vegas beats Denver 32-31. That's about where the good news would stop for Vegas as Josh Jacobs arrested for DUI at 4 o'clock in the morning out in Las Vegas. So their offseason's off to a great start, as you would expect. Is that Jonathan still open that late? Uh, maybe or early, <laughs> depending on how you look at it. Can we talk about the season that Jonathan Taylor had in his last six games? He finishes Greg with 253 yards and two touchdowns against the putrid Jacksonville Jaguars. He wow. really turned it up in the last half of the season for the Colts. 
Jags making a push for Urban Meyer. He wants $12 million to do it. Think he ends up there? Yeah, I think Adam, as we talked about it last night with Adam, he thinks there's a lot of juice to that rumor and the thought of maybe coaching Trevor Lawrence. They've got a lot of cap space. He thinks he can jump that organization around in a hurry. Loves the state of Florida. Obviously spent that time just up the road in, in Gainesville with, as the head coach of the Gators. So kind of heading back down to that way. I think I think you can see that happening. Absolutely. Chargers beat the Chiefs 38-21. Basically everybody sat for the Chiefs, but the Chargers went 38-21. They win their last four games, but Anthony Lynn has been fired at head coach for the L.A. Chargers. So they're looking for a new Surprising. league. I'm surprised yeah. with that a little bit. Rams beat the Cardinals, an absolute collapse in the final few games of the season for the Cardinals, 18-7. Not a great game for the Rams as they uh, kind of limped their way into the playoffs as well at 10-6. Seahawks beat the Niners, 26-23. The Saints blow over the Panthers, 33-7. Saints, no eligible running backs, so they throw Ty Montgomery, who has played some running back before back there. How about the break for New Orleans in the playoffs, Greg? If they play on Saturday, no Alvin Kamara. They play on Sunday, Alvin Kamara is eligible. They play on Sunday. So the All-Pro is is eligible to come off the list before the playoff game. Man, could you imagine if the Saints played on Saturday and one more day could have meant eligibility? Crazy. Think that's a a coincidence? I don't know. I I don't (laughs) know if it is or not. Titans doink one in on a 37-yard field goal, and they beat the Texans 41-38. They lock up the AFC South, much to the chagrin of Austin Orman. That's a huge win for Tennessee, Greg, because now they avoid having to play Buffalo. Can you imagine a Titans-Bills first-round matchup in the playoffs? But don't they get the the Ravens? Now now they do, yes, because they won. They won the game. I don't... I don't know that anybody wants any part of the Ravens right now. I, I think I they're know. playing scary good football. Derrick Henry over 2,000 yards on the season for Tennessee. All right, we got to talk about it. The Sunday night football game, the gift that keeps on giving. Philadelphia and Washington, the football team, wins it 20-14. to 14. Thoughts on the Eagles' performance? They, they, Doug Peterson has taken a lot of criticism from a lot of prominent folks around the league for what he chose to do at the quarterback position for Philadelphia in the second half. Puzzling, wasn't it? I mean, it's hard to – it's just almost – it's almost inexcusable. Uh, He should be ashamed of himself for doing that. Yeah, it's gross. To some uh, college basketball here scores, shall we? In the starting in the Big Ten, Iowa and Rutgers, great game at the rack. Yeah. Uh, Iowa falls short, buzzer beater. Uh, misses for Rutgers. Luca Garza, 25 points, 77-75. The win over Iowa, over Rutgers for Iowa. Really good basketball game there. Purdue and Illinois in Champaign. Illini win it 66-58. They're 8-3 on the year. 4-1 in league play uh, for the Illini. So good weekend for the uh, Brad Underwood squad. Michigan beats Northwestern, blows them out. 85-66. Michigan 9-0, Greg. 4-0 in league play. Looking pretty good. Sure are. And I, I was not on jumping on board that Northwestern train yet. I mean, they were getting a lot of love, but give hang on here a minute. I, I'm not sure they're that good. And Bowie, Boo Bowie got hurt. I don't know if he came back in the game. I saw him laying down and working on his knee earlier in the game. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what the status is there. Minnesota rolls up. Iowa State or Ohio State, excuse me, Buckeyes seventy-seven to sixty. Buckeyes out of the polls. There, Minnesota at ten and two 
on the year. A couple of other uh, top 25 notes you talked about a little earlier. Kansas loses to Texas. That is the largest margin of defeat for Texas against a top 25 team in history. And it happened on the road at third-ranked Kansas by 25 points, 84-59. That was a statement win by the Horns as they roll up Kansas by 25 points. Oklahoma, Have you seen Shaka's do? <laughs> yeah, what's that all about? Doesn't He's grown right. his hair back. Yeah, it doesn't look right. Oklahoma upsets West Virginia 75-71. Creighton holds off Providence on a last-second dunk, 67-65. Oklahoma State knocks off Texas Tech, 82-77. Red Raiders were up to 13th in the country uh, on that one, so good win there um, for Oklahoma State. And uh, we'll finish it up with one matchup on Sunday. Fifth-ranked Houston, 8-1 on the year, beat SMU 74 to 60. couple of quick NBA news and notes over the weekend. John Wall back in playing after over a year off playing well for the Rockets. They beat the Kings this weekend. We have to fast forward to yesterday, though, as in Golden State, history was made by another guy trying to make his return, and that was Steph Curry. Steph just, Steph just running into the front court. Draymond finds him another three. Warriors record 62 points for Steph Curry, eight threes, 18 of 19 from the foul line as the Warriors beat the Rocket or, or the Blazers rather, 137-122. But what a way to finish the weekend rewind as Steph Curry pours in 62 points without a doubt, the highest scoring effort of the NBA season so far. He good. He good. Not bad. On the night, Sports Island here on the Oscar Sports Hour. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you. We'll be back with you tomorrow night. Weren't planning on it, but that Husker game with Purdue has been postponed till later on in the season because of safety concerns, medical concerns. Obviously, it's a COVID issue. Uh, but they did build in some pad in the Big Ten schedule, so they'll be able to make it up, but it's not it will not be played tomorrow night. It was supposed to be the debut for Derek Walker, who transferred to Nebraska a couple of years ago from Tennessee, had to sit out the first 11 games of this season for NCAA rules violations. Earlier today, the head coach, Fred Hoiberg, was asked what Walker is going to bring to the team. Yeah, you know, the thing Derek will demand as, as he rolls into the paint is he'll demand a lot of attention with, uh, you know, teams having to suck in there because of his ability to finish at the rim. Uh, that'll hopefully open up some things on the perimeter. We have not finished, obviously, very well at the rim, um, you know, really with all of our players, but, uh, you know, particularly, uh, you know, with Ivan. He's gotten a lot better over the last few games, but I think teams will have to suck in there a little bit more, obviously, depending on their pick and roll coverage. If they're in a drop, uh, you know, they'll play more of the pick and roll in a two-on-two. If they're more aggressive with it, they'll have to sit in that opposite low man, which hopefully will open up some shots uh, either in the corner or in the opposite wing. Uh, but we're all excited to have Derek back. It's been a long time coming. Uh, he's been extremely patient throughout this process. Uh, a lot of highs and lows, ups and downs. Uh, you know, I talked to him even last year when he was with Delano and Shamil about how far off it seems uh, but how quickly it's going to go. And then got the disappointing news this year that he would have to sit uh, pretty much the entire suspension that he was given. So, 
you know, that really was emotional on him. And, uh, you know, he took it hard, but he stayed with it. He did a great job uh, helping prepare, going out and running the other team's stuff. And now he's got to flip that switch, uh, being back on the active roster. He hadn't played a game in a long time, so we're going to have to be patient with Derek as he works his way back into game shape uh, and gets his timing right. It's impossible to simulate, especially at this league, and not get an opportunity early in the season against maybe some lesser opponents. So, you know, Derek Derek's going to be, uh, you know, playing a lot of catch up here. We've been trying to get him through the offense pretty much every day, getting him extra work for this exact moment. But, you know, hey, Derek, welcome to the league. You get to go up against Big Williams and Edie, 6'10 and 7'4 in your first game. But he's excited to be back, and we're certainly excited to have him back on the floor. Ben, you got a chance to see him play when that team was in Italy a year and a half ago. What are your expectations of Derek? Yeah, well, actually, Derek uh, was ruled ineligible um, oh, that's while right. we were over he there in traveled, Italy, but... so he traveled. So I saw him warm up, warm up a few times, take some jump shots, but that was the extent of it. But this is a this is a big dude. I mean, he's six eight, all of it put together, two thirty. I mean, he is he's a big dude, and um, I, I you know I think Coach kind of said it best there. A lot of presence inside. Nebraska really needs a threat to finish inside. Greg Ivan just has having a really hard time putting the ball in the basket around the rim and when you're beat you do one of two things you don't you don't allow him to dunk it which he doesn't do anyway but even if you feel like it's a gimme you foul him and put him on the line because he's not a good foul shooter you hope Derek can go in there and require a lot of attention and just go um, make this offense work a little bit better a little more uh, cohesion and you know occupy more defenders where you're not letting double teams or raids hurt you in the paint and if that's the case you kick it out find an open shooter so i i I hope for everybody's sake that this goes how we think it's going to go absolutely well one guy who really played well against sparty the other night was trey mcgowan's fred oiberg was asked about trey and whether he needs to continue to be aggressive on the offensive end yeah, you know, Trey and I watch film pretty much after every game, and, and we talk about uh, how good he is when he gets in the open floor and when he's in attack mode. And I thought he was really aggressive, got to the basket on a couple of occasions. Uh, you know, the other thing I've talked to him a lot about is making sure he attacks smart. And when the defense is loaded back there, and I think he had one late in the game where he tried to attack two or three guys uh, sitting right there at the elbow, uh, you know, that's where the growth has to happen, but I thought he took a huge step in the right direction with his aggressiveness, uh, getting into the paint. Uh, you know, we cleared out a side for him and, and went in there and hammered it uh, with authority uh, when we had some action going on on the weak side. There's a lot we can build on in that second half, shooting over 50%. Uh, overall, scoring 44 points against a really, really good Michigan State uh, defensive team. Uh, you know, so that is something certainly we can build on. We've obviously struggled to score and struggled to shoot as of late. Uh, you know, really most uh, mostly throughout this year. Uh, but we had an offensive game that we can build on with our numbers, almost 50% overall, 50% from the three. Uh, you know, we just got to find a way to do little things. They got two threes on missed rotations that we went over in shoot around that morning by our big, not full rotating out of the post. Uh, we had uh, you know an offensive rebound that was just. You you know, pretty much sealed it when it was a five-point game. We get that with 50 seconds left, cut it to two or three, and you know, it might be a different outcome. But those little things that are happening, we have to tighten that up. If we can tighten that up, take care of the basketball, 
uh, rebound the ball, which we were phenomenal in the first half. We only gave them one offensive rebound. Uh, and then transition, where they exposed us early and then got a couple on us late. In the middle, we were pretty good. But you know, the, the key points, we have to be better. We got to do better on the basics, better on the little things. And uh, you know, hopefully this, the, some of these games will turn into wins for us. Ben, he had a couple of jaw-dropping plays the other night. He is mm. such a great athlete. He's explosive, just absolutely explosive. And I would agree with Coach. You know, a lot of the things that's costing Nebraska games are things that we talk about, you know, with the analogy of football, penalties, turnovers, those types of things. It's the same thing with basketball, the turnovers, the scoring droughts, um, transition, rebounding, free throws. These are all basic things that are keys to every basketball game. And Nebraska's good at them for stretches, but the stretches that they aren't is when you get run over, and, and you just can't you just can't afford to do that type of stuff. And I think, you know, the more that they focus on that and are able to um, to, to harness hone in on those things, harness those things, the better they're going to be, and, and and eliminate these 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 scoring runs that are just burying them from winning games. Yeah. Again, no game tomorrow. Uh, back in action again on Sunday at home against Indiana. Tip-off at 5 o'clock.